go fuck yourself. I'm mad. That all should have been recorded in Been Our Jeopardies. Been Our Jeopardies. Been Our Jeopardies. That should have been Our Jeopardies. That should have been Jeopardies. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to need to do Jewish voice for the whole music episode, so I'm not doing. You're going to do Jew face? (laughs) So I don't do... uh, the other alternative. You know, they say a Jew doing Jew face is not problematic. Yeah, they being Sarah Silverman. <laughs> they being Sarah Silverman's nose. <laughs> all right, are you done fidgeting? I'm getting... getting. You know, I have to edit all that out. Uh, I didn't even know you were recording. I have to beep the fidgets now. I didn't even know you were recording. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> hey, Baby. Dan. What's going on? Hey. Welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast, where I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. And um, we out here. We out here. So this is um, (laughs) the last episode on the season five board, which means we've reached the bottom of our cardboard board that we write scores on. And I spooked Dan out by flipping it. And now there's even more. (laughs) There's like 12 more episodes on the backside of the board. Historically, this would mean that. We're, we're taking a break. Historically, that would mean we're taking a break. Uh, we probably would be more spotty as the summer comes on. I know that my schedule's getting filled up and so is yours, but we don't need to end the season. Um, we want to keep the flames going. Yeah. Um, we for, might as well go until I'm playing in a wedding <laughs> band every weekend. For Dan, um, me flipping the board around and revealing like 12 more episodes is akin to um, him being kidnapped and, and kept on a chain on his ankle. And I come in, I give him his one meal a day, and I actually one day unlock his ankle chain. He's like, oh, God, yes. And then I immediately (laughs) handcuff him to the radiator. (laughs) No, I've been enjoying this season. That's good. Me too. It We've watched some not complete trash. It's been eclectic. We've been having fun. It has been eclectic. Yeah. Um, Like, (sighs) when I look at that, like, I'm looking at, like, other seasons, just, like, the collective list of movies that we watched in, like, (laughs) in blocks at times. I'm like, no wonder I was, like, ready to fucking quit this podcast (laughs) seven times in a row. (laughs) Well, there would be periods of time where we were just, like, really scraping the bottom on purpose. Now it's kind of, like, back and forth, back and forth. I think the next two movies, I mean, this block of movies that we did is absolutely (laughs) grim. Um, (laughs) The the next two are going to be, well, Dan and I have discussed now that the the next part of... We had a streak last season where we went Gigli. Jersey Girl, Spiral, The Book of Saw, Incident at Loch Ness, Son of the Mask, <laughs> Space Jam 2. <laughs> That's honestly like, this is probably why I ended up almost needing to be institutionalized. That's, that's fanatic. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. We were like nosediving on purpose. Dude, yeah. That was fucked. That was the let's get Dan Enden to quit the podcast streak. It it almost worked. It almost worked. <laughs> but we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do the, it. The, my best, like my biggest sense of joy I got last season was wa- like making you watch Son of the Mask and watching your pain. <laughs> I was in I was in fucking agony yeah. during that one. Um, and uh, that was my redemption arc. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a couple more for these next two episodes. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean Let's go, let's go. Let's get it started. The girl from music's mad retarded. She fought it in her pants, but instead she sharded. This is the fucking movie blues. Let's get it started. Huh. Oh my god. Portis <laughs> head, rippy, rippy sounds. 
Jesus. <laughs> that was Dan Enden. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> My God. Uh, theme song by Chris Geronda. <laughs> yeah. Lyrics uh, by Chris Sia. Geronda. <laughs> Hi, I already said my name, so I'm not going to do it again. How are you today, Dan? I'm good. That's good. It's so good. Um, yeah, wow. We are really going to hit the pits today in terms of uh, content. Um, we, we were on, as we were discussing before the theme song, a pretty, pretty normal streak for a movie review show. That streak is now ended. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, when when you uh, saw the last episode being Moonfall and like we're doing this very relevant, like, um, you know, hugely popular blockbuster chain kind of back and forth, back and forth this season, we've made a conscious decision. We'll see how long this lasts to really, really challenge ourselves over this next uh, series of episodes. Um, challenge being like we're going to go to the depths of depravity. Um, we've got Sallow coming down the, the pike at some point, which we're actually going to try to do. The thing is, Dan and I were having a conversation the other day where I was like, let's just start going fucking extreme. I was like, do you want to do Sallow? Which, if <laughs> anyone doesn't know, is a notorious uh, sodomy pedophilia epic from the 1970s? Yeah. Maybe? 60s. 60s, 70s? Um, and we're going to head in that direction, but at, at the same time, I had already watched the movie that we were doing today, which is music, and Dan had not. And he was like, yeah, let's fucking go. Let's, <laughs> let's get dark, baby. And I was like, okay, but first watch the movie that we already have on the docket and then tell me you tell me you want to do something fucked up next um there's a difference between like fucked up like sallow or like the movie that we're going to do for the next episode mm -hmm. versus this which is far more in line with like the og concept of the podcast of just like total ego fails yeah yeah today is an ego fail. Yeah, this um, wasn't meant to be fucked up. This isn't meant to challenge the viewer. Well, m no, mm, maybe a little bit, but at the same time, the people who made today's movie all looked at each other and were like, this is a good idea. Yeah, right. Um, Sallow contains numerous instances of people fucking children. Right. And I would say these filmmakers deserve to be put in jail yes. by a, a much wider margin. When the director of Sallow is put into his prison cell, <laughs> it should be opened and Sia should be sitting there like, hmm. <laughs> First time? Yeah. If it's like uh, fucking Dante's Inferno. <laughs> you know, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, so, uh, geez, uh, music is the title yeah. of the film today. This or as is... we're going to call it season four is Gili. <laughs> yeah. Season five is Gili. Um, this is, uh, this is a movie yeah. that was supposed to come out in theaters. Um, thankfully, this is actually the most thankful I've been for the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't. However, I don't know, because if it did, maybe there was a higher likelihood that someone would face justice. Uh -huh. I will say that in Australia, this film was released in IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted to see maybe the most questionable performance of all time on a 50 foot screen, yeah. I'd like to see people see this in 3DX, 4DX. <laughs> yeah, 4DX. <laughs> Someone just comes in and beats you over the head in the middle of uh, uh, like a. <laughs> I was going to say retard technician comes in and puts you in a hold while you're watching the movie. It's like, calm down, calm down, breathe with me. 
Um, okay, trigger warning up front about <laughs> not the movie, because you should never watch this movie, but about the podcast. <sighs> We're going to say retard a lot. I know we've done that as a trigger warning. I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try not to. I'm going to say it just when I feel like it's it's needed for extra effect. I don't I don't plan on like leaning into it. And, uh, you know, it's moments like this that we have to look to our savior, Chris Rock, for moral advice. But you can't say handicapped. You can't say retarded. And he is still right. Yeah. But we're gonna. And ironically. Yeah. You know what the irony is of that clip is that <laughs> he says retarded. Yeah. Right. Like and he's in a movie. Yeah. I and mean, he's that, like, that's like he's like, you can't say retarded, yeah. but you just said it. I mean, that's like emblematic of every fucking stand-up comedian in this year and the last year <laughs> releasing specials for which they get paid $10 million to for two hours, bitch, that they're not allowed to say anything. I know, that's that's it's comedy these pure days. Insanity. Dude, every now and then I'll listen to Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast, which, for anyone who's not familiar, is the only podcast I can think of where there's not two people talking. <laughs> it's just him talking to a microphone that's for an hour every Monday. It is truly psychotic that like he's been able to do this for 10 years. <laughs> And he'll just be like, you can't fucking say anything. And I'm like, dude, your highest grossing source of revenue is you saying whatever you want into a microphone every week and getting tons of ad revenue for it. What do you mean? woke crazy. Yeah, I can't. No one can say anything anymore. Yeah, we can, baby. Fuck yeah. Dave Chappelle's like, I can't say anything for my fifth consecutive Netflix special in two years. Yeah, Dave Chappelle is like, they won't let me say anything anymore. Aren't trans people crazy? <laughs> That's like... That is like the fucking crux of that man's career right now. Um, yeah, 100%. Uh, we're not going back down this hole, are we? I, I, we're just... This is, uh, to the listener, this is when Dan and I are trying to avoid talking about the movie that we have on the docket. Yeah, this movie is a lot. Let's talk about um, how this movie came to be. Um... Uh, world-renowned pop star, producer, and writer Sia. Never um, heard of her. She's the girl who, for many years, covered her face with that split wig, black and white. Uh, if the if the listener is not fully clued in, she wrote the song "Umbrella" for she's Rihanna. She's like Proto Krungbin, aesthetically. <laughs> Please don't pull them into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, big wig vibes. You know. Uh, here at the Movie Blues Podcast, we love it when a renowned artist of any kind is like, you know what? I'm going to do me. And then they fucking yeah. <laughs> cause a war crime. Yeah. Um, and that's what this is. No, um, nothing that consistently works better than someone who has nothing to do with filmmaking getting handed a bunch of money to make whatever movie they exactly. want. That always goes killer. And this is all on brand for me because I already have told Dan many times that I hate music. And I'm, <laughs> able, I'm able to kind of keep riding that sentiment through this episode. Um, this movie. It was blessfully called Music. Uh, it is about a character named Music um, who is a non, mostly nonverbal person with a very intense autism um, who um, basically has like a very rough home life. Kind of imagine precious but retarded. Um, <laughs> all right, that's one for me. Should we keep a little... <laughs> Keep a little scoreboard. Um, <laughs> um, and um, it's a very sad story outside of her um, disability. But what what makes this movie so potent is just how retarded she is in this movie. Um, yeah. 
You know, Simple Jack once said, you never go full retard. And that's that's been the... the what's All right, I just want to say up front... Well, like, what, Simple, Simple Jack didn't say that. What is genius about um, Tropic Thunder, not to like go too far down that rabbit hole, is that a lot of people, I think what they miss about Tropic Thunder is that there's blackface in it and there's retard face in it. Um, and I think that the reason that blackface is in that movie at all is it's a it's a passing of the torch if you will from blackface to retard face saying <laughs> saying we already know you can't do blackface yeah. and there's plenty of commentary apropos to that in the film and for years leading up to it tropic yeah. thunder yeah. tropic thunder was the first movie or at least meta commentary on a public scale to be like the passing of the torch is now to retard face yeah. you cannot do it it's not meant for fictional portrayal. Yeah. It's them being like, how are you going to admonish blackface while exactly. giving people Oscars for doing retard face all the time? A hundred percent. And, and and like Dan is saying, at that point, people were raking it in for retard face. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I Am Sam was actually a moment that, that was received poorly. I think that was truly the moment where I was like, we might not be able to do this anymore. But it wasn't like universally received poorly. There was a whole massive and very vocal contingent of people being like, that's so brave. Yes. Well, in the 90s and the early 2000s, when Dan and I were um, conceived and existing on Earth as children, I think it was very evident that an actor was allowed to play a man mentally handicapped person. But not only that, Dan, they were encouraged oh, to... Yeah. To to show a challenge, yeah. to show that's the a next range. step in the career of an actor who's done it all, right? And without like du like Dustin Hoffman's like, what haven't I done? Exactly. And he's like, gotta watch, gotta watch Jeopardy, gotta gotta, <laughs> gotta go to Kmart, yeah. you gotta get the socks from yeah. Kmart. Um, and and people were like, oh my god, stunning, yeah, brave, yeah. And and really, but, in society, know, it was held up as something that you should do when you're at the height of your prowesses. I mean, look who look who's done it. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, obviously, I am Sam had uh, Sean Penn doing that. Um. Uh, you know, riding the bus with my sister, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, at the apex of her uh, mm -hmm. talents, right around Harriet Spy. Um, and <laughs> that one's actually super retarded. That one's bad. <laughs> we honestly should probably do that on this. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? Riding the bus with my sister? No. She, okay, so. I've seen clip, like, I've, like, seen it in passing on television and was have noped out of there. I want to do a, a, just a quick scale of of mental disability okay. in terms of, like, 10 is full, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Rosie O'Donnell is a nine in okay. that movie. Yeah. Like, she's riding the bus the entire movie and is just like, ah, ha, 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 hello, ah, you're my friend. Um, that one was pretty bad. Woof. Sam uh, from I Am Sam is more a little more restrained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He was a little more in the uh, definitely got to go to Kmart yeah, totally. like, area. I would say like he was like a 7.5. Right. That seems fair. Dustin Hoffman, I would say, is like an 8. I don't think that... Dustin Hoffman's worse than Sam and I am Sam. Right. I think I feel like Rain Man uh, and I am Sam are about, about equal. equal. Um uh Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape is like a, a seven. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I, I want to put this up front too, is that there are the the reason that these things are the way that they are is that the conception, I'm gonna get all my smart stuff out of the way first, don't worry. The conception of a, a mentally retarded person in the 80s and 90s was not nonverbal, right? Right. It was just like, ooh, what a complex, crazy mind. Or, or ooh, he's just gonna scream at the top of his lungs all the time and make yeah. a silly face, like Leonardo DiCaprio. In this day and age, being 2020, when this movie was put into production, mm -hmm. um, 
there's a different view and, and subsections of the mentally handicapped, um, one of which is autism, which is typically what you see in Rain Man, I Am Sam, things like that, which is usually like a low-level autism, mid-level autism, like we said, a seven or an eight. Um, but now we're very aware of the fact that there are so many kids in this country and in the world that are like an eight through ten where they need constant supervision, where they need to speak potentially with a device if they're, um, you know, coordinated enough to do so. Um, that's like a new subsect that never existed in pop culture that exists now. Well, that's because previously those people would just be put in a home. Yeah, or swept in the garbage. Um, and... <laughs> Woo! And um, <laughs> at this point, yes, this this type of person exists. We recognize that um, we, need to, we need to support them. Um, my wife does a lot of work in the field um, of people who take care of people in that state. She does herself take care of a girl every couple of weeks that she's very close to. Is very similar in her disabilities to the person in this movie. The problem is the email never reached Sia to say it doesn't matter which subsect you're portraying, all of them are off the board. Right. You can't do any of them. And what all of these actors who have tried to make that jump into the next tier of challenging role and their agents and studios have not kept in mind is that most people are not as good or as finely tuned of an actor as Dustin Hoffman is. Right. <laughs> right. So like... 99% of the time you're just gonna come off as fucking horrible like right. like I watched we talked about Rain Man recently like you know there's an offensive aspect of it but like when you look through it through the lens of when it was made like Dustin Hoffman approaches that role with a degree of subtlety that most people who try to do this do not because he's fucking Dustin Hoffman I, I'll tell you what you also can't have that they had in Rain Man which is a character who every five seconds is like, Ray, why are you being so retarded, you idiot? Yeah. And you can't do that anymore right. either. So but, it's like you can't even have a good foil for these characters. Like Ben Affleck and Geely did plenty of that. Yes. Well, but, that was probably the last time. Doug from The Hangover, his character in that, that's like a nine on Doug, the scale. Doug from The Hangover? Doug from The Hangover playing... Uh, Oh, in Geely. In Geely. I don't remember that actually. Sorry, name. I had to do some hard research. Yeah, there. no, that was like, on that scale, that was like a solid nine. Like, if, if music is a ten, then like, that's at least a nine. He was insane in that movie. And that brings us to the point. The point is that in this film, we got a girl portraying a ten. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't think I've ever seen a ten in film. Yeah. Ever. No. I, they've never shown a ten. Um, at least if they've shown a ten, the 10 has not been the focal point of the film. Like maybe you had a scene in a movie where they're in like a mental ward and there's like a guy like sm smacking himself in the face in the background and screaming and yeah. you're like, oh, that's a 10. Well, would you call Clearly that's not going to be the main character of a musical. Would you call Ed Norton in the score a 10 given that he's he's playing someone who's pretending to be retarded? Yeah, I mean, that's a double foul because he's not only doing retard face, but he's in the movie he's doing retard yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. So you have to admonish Edward Norton, the actor, and, <laughs> and the his character. physical character. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. Who's, that one's a lot. Who's gotten away with Who do you think, who gets a pass for it? Edward Norton in the score. That's a great pass for it. No one even questioned that. And uh, the smoke screen is he's playing a, yeah. a retard. So like, and the smoke screen is also that Ed Norton is in that caliber of actor. <laughs> again, yeah. No, definitely. You get a pass like when, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if um, Robert De Niro is currently 88 years old. If he was like, I'm doing it, I'm going retard. <laughs> People would be like, 
brave. Yeah. They'd be or like, what was that Juliet Lewis movie? You're playing a retarded elderly man. Yeah. <laughs> that Juliet Lewis movie that you sent me the trailer. All right. So one of my favorite romantic comedies growing up, unironically, was one I used to catch on uh, HBO all the time. It's called The Other Sister. It is a movie in which Juliet Lewis is retarded and falls in love and marries Giovanni Rubisi, who is also retarded. And I, as a result, being a little kid, thought that both of those actors in real life were retarded. <laughs> and then, like, I saw later, we saw Juliette Lewis in a different movie, like, and this is when I'm eight or nine or younger, and was like, wow, she's really repressing that part of herself <laughs> in this role. Oh and honestly, Dan, when I see her in anything, I still think that she's like a little downsy. Like when when I see when I first saw Cape Fear, and and you know people who look kind of downsy when they're younger look even downsier. Um, and um, Woo! Um, I really thought that she was playing a person who was retarded in Cape Fear. You thought she was like the Marley Matlin of special needs people. <laughs> yeah. and, like, uh, and I was watching Cape Fear and I was like, damn, De Niro was raping a retarded girl in this one? This is dark. <laughs> and she's wow. underage. Uh, anyway, everyone go watch Cape Fear. <laughs> dark. <laughs> um, so, uh, this girl says you will never read in a regular review of Cape Fear. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn, Robert De Niro's raping a retarded girl. I raped a retard counselor. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dad was like, I'm going to try to not say retard so much. No, I fucked up bad. I fucked up bad already. I did a trigger warning. Yeah. So, uh, in music, uh, we have a portrayal of a 10 out of 10. Um, and this is from a girl that um, I want Dan Endon to queue up how we know of this girl and beyond um, in just a moment. <clears throat> so, Dan, why don't you tell us about Maddie Ziegler, uh, the 10 out of 10 on the scale uh, actress who played uh, music in music. Yeah, so uh, I, I first came to know Maddie Ziegler through her watching her entire childhood through tween years be portrayed on the show Dance Moms uh, as she and her sister were subjected. What is Dance Moms? Dance Moms is, I'm, I'm going to give the, my best understanding of it because I didn't watch the whole show. I, it's something that I wandered into being played in my house by other people uh -huh. and over the course of however many months came in at various stages in these girls' lives. Um, was this you just watching this, or you and Kat? Kat was... No, Kat watched the series, but we only have one television, so there were there's plenty of times where each other are watching things where we just end up in the room with it. Um, so you were the one who started watching Dance Moms. No, but I would say that I've probably <laughs> seen, like, a solid, like, 12 episodes of Dance Moms in its entirety. Nice. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a reality show with like a uh, a whiplash-esque level dance instructor um, in terms of the way she abuses these children um, and all of the the students' moms being around as like the show's producers try to create drama between them. So it's basically you're just watching a bunch of like it starts where it's a bunch of like six-year-old girl girls in a room witnessing not understanding what's going on, being abused and forced to dance for like 12 hours a day by their teacher and watching their moms get into like cat fights in front of cameras. 
Yikes. and traveling around to competitions. It's really fucking insane. And then the woman who runs the dance studio, there's a whole like multi-season arc where she gets arrested for like tax evasion and like she's under the threat of going to jail all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the point being Maddie Ziegler, as well as her sister, are both students of this dance company. And she's like the whole arc of the series is that Maddie is far and away the best student they have. Mm-hmm. And you watch her from age, like, six through whenever, whatever age she is, where she has to, like, make the choice to, like, go try to be a professional dancer, which I've grown to learn is, like, very young. Like, these girls end up, like, missing out on high school and college and shit to Mm -hmm. go dance when, like, the length of their careers can really only go to, like, 23 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're just watching Maddie Ziegler. So forever, for months, I'd go down and hear on the TV them talking about Maddie and Maddie and look how good Maddie is. Look how great Maddie is. So one day I was just like, "Cat, this is fucked up, man. Like, the show's fucked up. Like, these girls, like, we've seen so many children have horrible lives by being real actors. Like, these girls, like, this is, like, feels borderline abusive. I can't imagine anything worked out for any of these kids. So I was like, I'm going to look up what ha- what became of Maddie. And I look up Maddie's fucking Wikipedia page, and the first fucking picture that comes up is the damn legendary screenshot from the leaked promo shit from music. Right. And I was like, no. Which, oh, no. Which, to to uh, our listeners, um, at some point before the movie's trailer even came out, like a leaked photo of uh, the lead character music played by Maddie Ziegler making a very intense face yeah that only a person yeah. with great disability could make you, um, you it has or to be, should make it has to be bad enough that like a wave of controversy and dismissal of the film came from a single image yeah so i was oh, like then sia was like said on her twitter she was like um <clears throat> just don't judge it until the trailer comes out and then the trailer came out it and was so much like, worse oh no <laughs> yeah. this is worse yeah like what are you doing so i so i had to sit there and be like hey you know uh you want to know what became of maddie uh she's uh, she currently, that sounded so sinister her, her life is currently ruined because she went full retard in a movie um but you're missing the most important part of this story which is why not i don't know what's that which is where else we've seen oh maddie ziegler oh yeah she's uh she's the girl who got abused in book of henry yes she's the neighbor <laughs> talk about a filmography of just she doesn't even look like the kind of act like there are certain actresses like winona Ryder, where she was younger and it's like just the way that she looks we're gonna put her in a lot of fucked up shit yeah like she has this like gothic weird yeah, yeah. like look she's got the big eyes maddie ziegler doesn't look like that at all no they, she, they just keep putting her in and in book of henry where she's abused they keep putting her in movies where they think the movie's going to win an Oscar, and it's right. a complete fucking disaster. Well, that is the common line. The, that's the through line. She's definitely. supposed to be, like, the premier fucking child star, and right. they just keep putting her in this chaos. And I just want to say that. Her we... agent needs to be killed, dude. Yeah, for, dude, for real. That guy's got some serious issues. He's probably a huge <laughs> fan of this podcast. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got to get my girl in another episode. What are we going to do here? Um, <laughs> um, listen, so... We saw her in Book of Henry, and then, uh, you know, obviously that's the greatest movie we ever did on this podcast, I I would think. If you had to single out Little Italy and Book of Henry, I think are the top two, followed by duets. Um, Yeah, for me, it's duets. Duets is strong. Not (laughs) not gonna lie. We really spent a lot of time looking for other niche films. Like, um, like I'll Google just like movies about people that like crane machines. Uh, I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping that Crash was going to be our next duet. 
We'll, we'll talk about that next week <laughs> when we record our episode for David Cronenberg's Crash. <laughs> Put a pin in that. Um, and, um, yeah, so, like, we were like, oh, the you know, it's about, you know, what it's about. It's starring this girl. It's a musical, which, yeah. God, we hate those. Yeah, that's a fucking, that's a big ask from Jump Street. Yeah. And we already did Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. But, you know, this movie was still gravitating at the top of the, the list of movies to watch. And so we watched it. Yeah. Um, 10 out of 10. No, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess that's a good enough uh, cue up uh, to this film. Uh, Dan, would you like to get started talking about music? Yeah, absolutely. So, the first 30 seconds of this movie. Yeah, I'll I'll give my best reaction to that. It's like whatever Han Solo felt when he was dropped into the pit to be encased in carbonite was about how I felt. (laughs) Like as Han Solo felt his his extremities blown into stone. Yeah, um, that is the cringe level that I was at. Um, Later on. Dan sent me a series of gifts when he watched the same opening 30 seconds. They're all like police sirens, <laughs> like alarms. It all like, says red alert. It's all, yeah, red alert was at the top. Um, <laughs> That's what I searched in the gift search was red alert. <laughs> when they when they say in, about a movie, they really drop you into the deep end. Yeah. Um, it's like, basically... The movie hasn't even started. You haven't even seen a physical image no, yet. Nothing. It's over black and, and it's you just are like being... <laughs> And you're like, what the fuck is that? And it, it turns out to be a girl like suffering. Yeah, we uh we, over black. We spend a lot of time talking about movies beating us over the head with messaging. Yeah. And this movie instead just beat me over the head with red flags from Jump Street. Well, the first thing I noticed when this movie started was uh, at the top of my screen, like the text still from Amazon Prime was up and it said, you know, the name of the movie, yeah, the year then, that it came out. And the, the litany of genres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was super retard. Um, <laughs> you need to leave. Um, and it said PG-13. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, huge podcast red flag. <laughs> look through. I don't ha- actually, where did my, I don't know where my score sheet went. I got but it. like, look at your score sheet. Okay. Like, forget about Son of the Mask. Like, how many PG-13 movies have we done on this podcast? I would guess like almost none. Uh, Maybe some all of the Fast and the Furious movies are PG thirteen. Okay, yeah, fuck. Right, that's, uh, that's... Grind was PG thirteen. Yeah, that was, wasn't it? Uh, this is this is not going well. Uh, Doctor Sleep was PG thirteen, wasn't it? No. The Faculty was PG thirteen. No. R for the Let Faculty. Let me see. I have it on VHS right next to me. Uh, dude, Dimension didn't make any PG thirteen movies. Ard. R. Ard. I just said like A R D. Uh, <laughs> End of the word. Yeah, I don't know. Lawnmower Man? R. Really? Yeah, of course. For what? Uh, oh, oh, where does, a lot. Where does, where does that fall? Okay, Jeff Fahey. Now, here's the thing, though, about Jeff Fahey uh, uh, in Lawnmower Man. He starts at, like, an eight, but he ends up at, like, a one. Right. Because he gets cured. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> woo! Cuties was a PG-13, What a great right? movie Lawnmower Man is. Jesus. Never mind. Lawnmower Man was fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, I, can you tell me what we gave Cuties? I want to know the score um, before I, I rate this movie today as well, because that was like one of the most offensive movies we've ever done. I gave Cuties a two. You gave it a three. 
that is fucked up. <laughs> that actually, <laughs> that actually is very accurate to some of the some of the darkest in podcast humor. If you were able to track our podcast from episode one thus far, there is a. <laughs> I hate that I'm saying this. I shouldn't say this. This is something I should not say. Okay. There is a through line. <laughs> That I'm like a creep. <laughs> That's as much as I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Uh, Dan has created this narrative. This is like, Dan will say things like, why is it always got to be about like the sister, or, like the little kid, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's some kind of through line going where I'm, I'm a pedophile. It's not that. It's just that you have, <laughs> you seem to really struggle it's with. It's a fictional with, through line. With, with father-daughter relationships. I do. Movies. That's not a pedophile thing. Jesus. No, I've never implied you were a pedophile at no, all. No, but there's like, there's like a creepy I, thing. Go- like, um, uh, like a Harley Quinn Smith we make jokes about. And like, yeah, no, when you, we started making those sure jokes. You're for sure super weird about Harley Quinn Smith, but now she's above 18, so it's Yeah, but when we started weird. making those jokes, but we mean just me. Yeah. Um, when we started making those jokes, that was not the case. She yeah. Yeah. She was like, what, 18, 17? I don't know. It got weird. Um, <laughs> it got weird. I, I, we're really off the rails here. Delete. So the bottom line yeah. is... Um, <laughs> so Kate Hudson's in this picture. <laughs> the bottom line is there aren't many... Wow, what a tangent. My favorite thing about our tangents recently is just going right back on track when yeah, we're done with them. Yeah. But there aren't many movie movie blues like extreme movies or controversial movies that are rated R. I mean PG thirteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Most of them, you know, it, that are the real fringe offensive ones are PG thirteen um, or PG or R. Yeah. Like what was Jupiter Ascending? That may have been PG thirteen. That felt like Fast and Furious as well. Yeah. Um, so that might be it, honestly. Yeah, that stunk. Jesus. <laughs> um, this movie, when it flashed PG-13, I was like, um, red flag, right off the bat. That being said, having watched it, probably the hardest PG-13 rating of all time. Which one? Music. Hardest PG-13 rating? Like, what? most upsetting movie you could ever see rated PG-13. Oh. Uh... Uh, the concepts that they brought into this movie, not just about her. Right. Forget about music, because as we go through this review, I think it's going to become clear that music and her performance, the actress Maddie Ziegler, is secondary yeah. to the story of Kazoo. Yeah, which is insane. Kazoo being Kate Hudson's character in this movie. Yeah, it's K-A-Z-U, Zoo for short. Her name is Kazoo. Yeah, her Let's move K- on. Kazoo, sister of music. Music and Kazoo are the two sisters, right? Sisters. Um, But because music is nonverbal, except for like squeaks and moans and And, shrieks. And she requests eggs with regularity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make you eggs? Make (laughs) you eggs? Make you eggs? Yeah. I go bed. Yeah. Um, And that'll be the last music impression. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I will not. Wait until you see what impressions are coming up. What did you... When you were watching this movie, you didn't anticipate what what voice I was going to... I was terrified. Oh, about what I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I originally told you earlier in the week I was going to fill a soundboard up with just all the most famous uh, mentally challenged performances. I, yeah. didn't, I did not do that. That felt very over the line. Yeah, you could have just done any Vin Diesel performance. <laughs> Talk to me, baby. Um, family. <laughs> um... Kazoo. <laughs> yeah, Kate Hudson, Kate Hudson really going for it and thinking she was going to win an Oscar. <laughs> and she was not. 
<laughs> that's um, that's a reputable actress who has probably a very reputable agent and they swung and missed so we meet music <laughs> music's a 10 out of 10 guys and she's doing her daily routine um which is mostly just being a 10 out of 10 <laughs> which involves like throwing on her helmet and wandering down the street um every day which uh i am aware uh that there is a certain routine to being autistic um this is extreme for someone to be able to go on their own walking down the streets yeah letting her go to was. like a gyro stand to like <laughs> pick up a newspaper. I don't know. What was... I mean, everyone, it's like, um, uh, she's the friendly neighborhood fucking, <laughs> it's like the 50 sitcom trope of yeah, like, totally. of like character walks down the street. Yeah. Who's reputable and well-known. Everybody's everyone like, waves. Hey Jimmy, how you doing? Yeah. I uh, like, Hey, look, like, it's, Jim, it's Jimmy. Except in this one, the person uh, on the other end is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a person who it's reinforced that the entire movie can't be left alone for even two seconds. Um, <laughs> Except for her morning walks where she interacts with strangers constantly. Everyone's like, like, hey, music, yeah. what's the news today? And she's yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's absurd. Um, I get like, you know, my wife said like, oh, like she has a community of people that are supporting her, make sure she's on track and blah, blah, blah. The yeah. amount, no community in this country no, supports do, anyone. No. no. And the, the uh, extent to which these, they're like, okay, the best way to put it. It's like a musical. Yeah. Like they're the people of this town. Are, it's like Schmigadoon, where they're <laughs> where they're literally like everyone is just like in love with music. Uh, apparently, everyone else's life revolves around music. <laughs> yeah. um, Complete non-family members all have like <laughs> made great sacrifice to take care great. of music. Um, Every so neighbor bizarre. of music knows all of her needs, like her yeah, medication, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what she needs to do, what her routine is when she goes to bed. Yeah. Um, and and th- that, the apotheosis of that weirdness is their next door neighbor, um, Mr. Echo, yeah. as, as, as Dan <laughs> called him through text, um, who is Leslie Odom Jr., who I don't think has an accent. In no. no. And, what, and what is he famous from? What is he? Oh, he's in Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a huge mistake he's made here. Yes. And what a huge mistake Hamilton is. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. is my favorite part of this movie. For some, I don't know. I've never seen Hamilton. Some, I don't watch that liberal garbage. It, it is a tough watch for me. <laughs> you, you know me pretty well. and It, it is a tough watch for me. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. is in this movie playing a, let's say, Kenyan. Is he Kenyan? Is he Nigerian? Uh, Kenyan. In the movie, I'm going to say Kenyan. Yeah. Oof. This Around is a, there. For an episode where I've already said retard a lot, this is an oof for me, but he's... I mean, not really. He's, he's got, African. He, yeah, he's got fucking... He's the one doing fucking generic African voice for the entire movie. He is. And hmm, funny that you should bring that up, Dan. Um, <laughs> because Leslie Odom Jr.'s entire role in this movie kicks off... Well, like, you know, you have to know that the movie starts with music's caretaker, her grandmother, dying. Yeah. Um, that means that Kazoo... Um, Kate Hudson's character needs to be called in um, from like whatever dick she was sucking on drugs basically yeah. to now be music Kate Hudson is playing uh, Mila Kunis in that addiction movie recently right and for anyone that doesn't get the reference <laughs> she's a big fucking drug addict yeah, in this she, movie she, and a huge piece yeah, of shit she's a bald junkie she's a bald junkie yeah. um, named Kazoo yeah. legally which like that's the other route that you can go if you're trying to win an Oscar is to be a junkie in a movie. Oh, for real. For real, for real. That's like the new one. This movie was swinging for the fences in all regards. 
Um, and so music needs to be taken care of. The only person who's legally going to do that somehow, there's no like child protective services to come in and assess whether or not Kate Hudson is worthy of taking care of a girl who's fully autistic and non-verbal. Yeah, which would 100% be the case because that's where my household's expertise comes into play. Exactly. Um, and um, yeah, both. Um, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> if you hear myself... Uh, censoring myself on this episode you know it's fucking awful um, <laughs> um and and so kate hudson shows up she has no idea what to do she's no previous experience taking care of someone like music or even of music they've been estranged for most of their life um thankfully there's this weird town that just has raised music up on on, on their <laughs> yeah. shoulders and that includes leslie Odom jr who um lives next door to music this movie is really just like simping for communism in which everyone takes care of everyone's children (laughs) it really is it was very communistic Um, (laughs) i mean it's it's a huge pop star so that makes sense um and um leslie odom jr just like i guess music is having a freak out right and leslie busts into this apartment which kate Hudson Kazoo, who is in her underwear 99% of this movie for whatever reason, yeah. is standing there in a bra and panties. Yeah. And she's like, Yes, please come in. I need help. Yeah, do you know what to do? Basically, the cops are like, Hey, uh, this this girl, this severely autistic girl, are you good to yeah. take care of her? And Kate Hudson's like, No, like, absolutely not. For sure, no. Yeah. And the cops are like, Great, enjoy. <laughs> so five Which that does track. So five minutes later, yeah, this is another very <laughs> clear depiction of the police. Yeah. Uh, you know, art ref- reflects life. Uh, so, so she leaves, they leave, uh, and Kate Hudson's standing there being like, I don't know how to take care of you at all. And she's like, cool, I'm freaking out right now. And yeah. enter and then Mr. Echo stage right. Literally bursts in. Yeah. And he's like, I will show you what to do. And he like jumps on top of music and he's like, you must get her to breathe. Yeah. And he like straddles it, her. He's like, did you try tackling her? <laughs> and she's like, first of all. He's and, like, you need to give her a body slam. <laughs> that was, that was, you're going back to Bane. You slowly revert to Bane every every time. Now. Every time I start an accent, I'm like, this is going to get offensive. I got to get, I got to switch you're like, to Bane. You, you got to put, you, you start doing it and then you're like, I got to pull it in a little bit. And then it just becomes Bane. That's my sweet spot. That's my like unreliable. I hangback. must put you in a hold. It's just like, dude, imagine you're in a situation where you just got put into the care or, of this girl and she's freaking out the anxiety you feel already. Yeah. And then a, a giant stranger. This dude just bursts in and is just like, why are you running? <laughs> just fucking shoulders his way through the door and tackles the child. This body He's like, I'm going to show guy. you what to do. Yeah. He's like, it's simple. All you have to do is beat the shit out of <laughs> stop the bus and stop the damn bus and the funny thing about it too is like um that you know and i even knew this just knowing rachel and everything she's told me that that is not how you put a person like this into a hold um <laughs> let alone just how deeply sexual it was yeah you mean you he don't was, you don't mount them yeah he mounted her <laughs> with her legs basically spread open yeah 100 and he pinned her down was nose to nose with her and he's like i will show you how to relax and he's just like yes music breathe oh yes it was 
And I was like, okay, now we have a guy doing a fake Kenyan accent <laughs> who, spoiler alert, has AIDS, which we didn't get there yet, yeah. but spoiler alert, the man has AIDS uh, up so, front. So many things were thrown into this movie <laughs> needlessly to make it worse. And that was a quite the fucking subplot. That was so, that was the craziest that was B-plot so ever. insanely contrived. <laughs> this movie is insane. <laughs> So anyway, this, yeah, um, this, so, this just guy. Just so you guys know, we haven't gotten to the Corn Road, Ben Schwartz. Yeah. Who, <laughs> ben Schwartz in a kimono. Who accidentally leads the fucking uh, main character to discover that Mr. Echo has AIDS. <laughs> oh, we need to roll. Yeah, we're going to roll through that because that is the craziest plot contrivance of, of all time. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, so, uh, yeah, Mr. Echo That's because only seven people live in this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, this neighborhood is like the cast of a sitcom. It's, yeah, it's fucking It's absurd. a play. There are yeah. no characters mm-hmm. that are not the characters. Oh, it's going to... This is going to take a while to get through, man. This, That's fine. This is damaged. It should man. be a three-parter. This is a damaged, damaged film. Um, yeah. So anyway, a guy doing a fake Canyon accent with AIDS is tackling a retarded girl face to face in a sexual position. Um, yes, putting someone like that in a hold is what you need to do when they're escalated. I think the term is, and that is the way to de-escalate them. You have to physically hold them down. But the way it is portrayed in this movie is egregious, like <laughs> like, like many things. Um, and uh, that kicks off the relationship between Kazoo and Mr. Echo. Yeah, because um, Kazoo is just like turned on by having watched this man just like beat the shit out yeah. of her sister. And honestly, from the first second. Yeah, immediately. As soon as, as, soon as he's done, he's yeah, like... Yeah, she's like biting her lip and shit. Yeah. Well, first of all, she's in a brawn panties. Yeah. So it's, she's already there. Um, um, but the second that he stands up, he's like, he's like, okay, she now needs to rest. And she is like... Mm. Yes, Daddy. I need someone here doing that for me every day. And he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and that really kicks off an immediate romantic uh, comedy plot. Yes. In in terms of its uh, structuring as well. I was again. not in any way, shape, or form mentally prepared for this to be a romantic comedy. Yeah, it, and it was. And like every romantic comedy, there's uh, first act they get to know each other. Second act, uh, love. At the end of the second act, there's typically a large reveal about one or both characters that puts them in opposition. Third act is them coming back together. The I'd argue that the crux of why they break up in this, uh, in being a convoluted plot of uh, uh, Kazoo delivering AIDS medication by accident to yeah, him, we'll is one there. of the craziest yeah, that's third act. to have to be its own thing, because that's... Uh, just- for sure, for sure. Her, dude, Kate Hudson's <laughs> B-plot in this movie was already so insane from yeah. Jump Street. Presented as if it was just, like, totally normal. Just like, God, this movie's filled with such, like, hyperbolic, outdated depictions of every type of demographic. Like, it's like Sia has never interacted with a non-rich pop star in her life. She's like, all right, well, what would, like, like a poor black guy be like? All right, give him the craziest yeah. accent ever yes. and have him be way overly aggressive and with AIDS. Like, mm-hmm. what are drug dealers like? All right, well. She uh, was like, what do people in Africa have? She was like. Oh, she, yeah, AIDS. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> she, she's like, all right, we got Ben Schwartz to be the drug dealer. What's he like? And she was like, all right, I've seen drug dealers in The Sitter. No, I've seen Spring Breakers yeah, with James that, that Franco. that was going to be the next one I said. With it's, cornrows. Yeah. And was like, hmm. Yeah. I, too, have seen Alfred Molina at the end of Boogie Nights <laughs> and can turn him into a character. And And look, we have to go through his stuff, too, because his plot line. Also insane. Which is the C plot. Let's say A plot is music and her sister. B plot is um, her sister and Mr. Echo. Mr. Echo. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually Mr. Echo's brother. (laughs) Um, It looks exactly like Mr. Echo's brother. Um, 
I actually thought it was the same actor. There's also there's also B plot bullet point two, mm-hmm. which is that Mr. Echo's brother is marrying his wife. B plot point Echo Delta is the fucking dude that plot line which also like any of the side plots of this movie has no resolution that shit was so fucking random i was like who is trying to say what about what things with this plot dude oh no dan it's also that it concluded the end at the resolution being that he gets over it because they all have like at his brother's wedding to his wife is when everything comes to its climax dude we haven't even talked about c plot zeta <laughs> fat other retarded chinese kid who's stalking music yeah what is wow. that wow what is that about okay yeah we all right so let's let's do a good job here setting a couple of these things up yeah. um because these like, people aren't going to watch this movie we need to take no. them through the teleplay a plot like we said is going to be Music and Kazoo, Kazoo being a extremely stereotypical recovering drug addict. Yeah. She's kind of like a Brittany Murphy from Eight Mile character. Yeah. Um, she's like, shit, right? If Brittany Murphy were still alive, she, bless her she's memory, like she would have been Murphy this character. She's like Brittany Murphy in real life. <laughs> exactly. Cause hey! Because her, her career is dead. <laughs> oh, wow! Um... Dan, Dan's starting to look I'm uncomfortable looking, for I'm the first for time this episode. <laughs> um, a plot, um, a, a drug rehab movie in which um, a woman has to take care of a disabled girl who she has um, unrealistically had to adopt yeah. slash battle her demons. Yeah, which this can be summarized as like in a movie right. that's presented as trying to champion and bring awareness to the autism community. Right uses its only autistic character purely as a crux for its love story of the tertiary characters. B-plot. B-plot is a romantic comedy between a man with AIDS and Kazoo. <laughs> what a sentence. <laughs> yes. C-plot. Um, a local kid is sh- about 25% into this movie. A 300-pound Chinese kid is consistently creeping in the background of every shot of the movie so far. Like, when, as a sitcom character, um, music goes strutting down the street, just like, over and over again, one of the people you always see is this guy, but he's always, like, looking over some Chinese vegetables, like, huddled (laughs) huddled behind a crate of kimchi. (laughs) Just, just like, creepily, like, holding a broom, just, like, sweeping up, creepily looking at music over and over again. And, And as the movie goes on, we learn more about him and we also like zoom in closer to his creepy gaze and that has no resolution. Yeah, None of the things I'm talking about. he has a whole subplot about his, his family drama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is like, again, Sia being like, what are poor Chinese people like? Yeah. Oh, they hate each other. Yeah, they don't terrible. even have doors for their kids' bedrooms <laughs> and they communicate via passing notes to each other. Um, and also his dad chokes the shit out of his mom with regularity. Then we have D-plot different movie all these plots are could have been whole movies yeah oh yeah d plot a kenyan man with aids is running a boxing gym <laughs> oh yeah i forgot entirely about that plot. um where leslie odom jr has a plot line with its own redemption arc yeah about him being a boxer former boxer now owning a boxing ring and teaching local kids how to get involved in their community including in the fat chinese kid. yes yeah who has like a rocky-esque uh third act like yeah. fight scene yeah um d plot um, drug dealer. E plot. Oh yeah, D plot. Um, ben Schwartz has cornrows and is a drug dealer who wears a kimono. This is the E plot. He fronts 
uh, Kate Hudson. Just think of the plotline from this past season of Euphoria, where Rue keeps getting, like, Rue gets a suitcase of drugs that she has to get rid of and immediately bungles it. And then everyone's staring at her very intently, and there's a lot of drama behind that. But with um, Ben Schwartz and Cornrows instead of an actually threatening character, <laughs> yeah. and a woman with a shaved head named Kazoo yeah, and being ben the main Schwartz character. being like the most, like, kind-hearted evil drug dealer ever and finally f plot this is how much is going on in this fucking movie in this like hour and 12 minute movie <laughs> <laughs> there's no way for any of these plots to pay off or redeem themselves because at this point we're already just introducing by the time we introduce the final plot line we're halfway through the movie f plot a, a kenyan man who's in hamilton who has aids was going to marry a woman who he was deeply in love with. She ran off with his brother. He did marry her. He did marry, okay, it was yeah. his wife. Ran off with his brother. Yeah. And he has been invited to their wedding, which he's been trying to avoid. Yeah. Um, and now it has his, has an, this is, could be an entire movie, now has his own arc where he needs to then speak at that wedding. Yeah. And show that everything is okay. Yeah. Those are the seven movies that are contained within music. And now you understand why the main crux of this movie isn't like, oh, this girl's doing like a really offensive portrayal of someone with autism. It's so many other things, too, that are upset. There's a a separate underlying, you can't even call it a plot, but there's a a, a motif that encompasses all of these plots, which is... I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a representation of what's happening in the autistic girl's mind, uh-huh. but basically there's oh, a slew of music, there's a slew of music videos that also happen in the movie. G plot. Imagine if you will, only the interstitial scenes from Austin Powers. <laughs> Where yeah. Austin Powers where and a all group, like psychedelic yeah. shit dancing, yeah. where a group of it's like, like the bumpers of the scene, yeah, where like a group of sixties uh, people crossed with the Oompa Loompa musical scenes from the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, totally, um, have interpretive dance numbers set to Sia pop songs, yeah. which are not being sung by Sia. Is that what those songs were? They're all sung by the actors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, she needs getting her royalties in. Of the ten musical numbers, and only one of them is a character actually singing. So, in this movie, you have musical numbers where they have... Sia's written the songs, which she's produced this movie, directed it, etc. We'll get to the last part of her credits in a bit. Okay. um, And she's decided having one of the greatest voices in the world to not sing any of the songs. Right. She says, like many musical directors do, I want to have my cast singing, but they never show them doing it. Right. Only in one song does Kate Hudson sing. Yeah. Beyond that, these are not good Sia songs. And, (laughs) mind you, in a lot of these interpretive dance numbers, all of them contain Maddie, because that's why she got hired, is to dance, because that's what she's famous for. She starred in many Sia music videos, including Chandelier, which was one of the biggest music videos of all time. She is known for the interpretive dance choreography that's featured in this movie and in four of Sia's music videos. Yeah, but in this you're put in a situation where they, you're forced to watch her, who was forced to do dancing, which is very difficult at her level, 
while also maintaining like an air of autism with all of her dance moves. And, uh, and boy, does she go for it. Well, that brings us back. And after this point, we'll take a little pee break. But that brings us back to the first scene of the movie. And the first scene of the movie, the first 30 seconds, the reason that Dan and I are sending alarm bells back and forth to each other is because you're you're first introduced to her having very, very strong autistic like tendencies being portrayed very strongly. And then within 10 seconds, a music number begins where she's dancing. And in the choreography of the dance, they wanted to highlight her facial tics as if yeah. you could see that she was deeply, deeply autistic in the dance number and it resulted in me and my wife just turning to each other with our jaws literally agape just like oh my god what are we doing it was like yeah it was like stroke face choreography it was very upsetting super shocking and like like i said it's like the austin power incredibly harrowing all of these fucking crazy colors everywhere and swirling images and insane costumes it was like if you gave an autistic person person mushrooms, what they would see in their mind. It was yeah. really There's really like tough. one where she's wearing like giant oversized like David Byrne-esque overalls. Like, did you yeah. see that one? It's like suspenders and pants that right. are meant for like a 400 pound man. Like, I don't know if they were trying to imply that like this is like an autistic person would in their fantasies, like everyone would be dressed absolutely insanely. Like, right. I, I, don't, I don't know what the purpose of these fucking music videos was besides to make me upset (laughs) okay now much to Dan Enden's chagrin we have uh, brought in our um, uh, third occasional co-host slash um, expert of autism slash host of Rachel's Retard Corner Rachel hold on I'm putting your theme song on can you sort of hear it through my headphones yeah. Yeah. Cool. Rachel's retard corner. <laughs> Five minutes with an expert in the field telling us why we're assholes. Cool vibes. Okay. Cool vibes. So, <laughs> you think your theme song's cool vibes? Plus, like, I rapped to my the own topic. theme song earlier, so it's, this is totally appropriate. The topic is cool vibes, too. Not really. Um, <laughs> it's pretty, much pretty uncool vibes, honestly. Um, so, uh, today on Rachel's Retard Corner, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie oh music. Um, and she's going to tell us, she watched the movie with me. And sorry, man, your theme song is really distracting me. I can. It's so loud. Um, all right, I'll, t- I'll do a slow fade. Oh, hell yeah. Here we go. No, all right. Slow fade. <laughs> if you ever want to rap over your theme song, too, that's totally fine. I don't know. Maybe next time. We're not there yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. Um, uh, so Rachel watched this movie with me. She was taking notes. She has a lot of experience with people who are like music. Uh, in fact, a lot of the opinions and accuracies that I felt watching the movie, I knew through Rachel's training in the subject like I mentioned before, the hold that music was put in. Um, Rachel, did you approve of uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s hold uh, that he put music in? No, that's how people die. (laughs) (laughs) What what would have been the correct way to approach that? Um, A correct hold is basically putting your arms under someone's, kind of like linking them through their arms, wrapping them so that their own arms are behind their back and pushing them into a wall. Now, let me also ask you as an expert, would you say that the person that's putting uh, someone in a hold, uh, do they typically have AIDS? 
They don't typically have AIDS. It also is not a good look to have like a older man um, tackling a teenage girl and just laying on her. Are they face to face usually? No. Uh, <laughs> would, would you really say unsafe. would you say that they normally have training in this situation rather than just a be, neighbor being a neighbor? <laughs> I mean, look, sometimes neighbors do have to help. I can say mm-hmm. firsthand these things can happen anywhere on a subway in the park. Well, um, what I was also wondering is when people get put into holds, do they ever get scratched, bit with saliva? Yeah, and that's pretty dangerous for someone that has AIDS. And if you were face-to-face doing a hold, <laughs> would you say that the transfer of saliva and or blood is even more possible? Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Okay. Good. Well, now I feel like the expert you is can told agree, me. You can agree with that. I don't, See I don't do think that's how AIDS is transferred. That's yeah, what is. I was blood curious to, about. Blood to blood. Absolutely. But how would blood to blood happen in well, this situation? If, well, because she scratches music, you. Yeah, I mean, they, she Rachel used to come upset. home with scratches all down both arms. I mean. But did the autistic people also have scratches? Like, were you like squeezing the blood from your cuts I mean, into their well, eyes? Maybe they can suck the blood like a vampire. Like, what if they lick the blood? Is it blood? If you ingest a person with AIDS's blood, I'm pretty sure you would get AIDS, right? I I don't know. Does it have to specifically be blood sex? It doesn't. It definitely doesn't specifically have to be blood sex. Rich, uh, you're the expert. What do you think? I am not an expert on AIDS. (laughs) (laughs) Objection. (laughs) Um, Okay. uh, What were your other thoughts about music, Rich? Um, so I think that the the worst part is what we just discussed. I mean, obviously, it was an incorrect way to hold down somebody who is misbehaving. Um, D- does it involve typically whispering sweet nothings into their ear? Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't usually calm them down because they don't know English. <laughs> I need you to breathe. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. But no, I mean, that's if they could comprehend that type of commands, then they wouldn't need to be laid on. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so you're saying from, you don't treat them like the way you give a command to a dog, where no, like, he's like he's like debatable. he's like good. You got to be careful, Dan. <laughs> setting you up here. He's like good girl. Oh, jeez. I mean, you ended up saying good girl though. So <laughs> look, the way that you handle someone um, who has an impairment like that is usually through applied behavioral analysis, which is exactly how you train a dog. <laughs> Just so you're like aware, it's through conditioning, yeah, yeah. ABA, <laughs> and reinforcement. And so, you know, my wife's calling them dogs. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not. No, I know. Yeah, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> or have Kylo Ren scream more in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of those things just happened. Sorry, you can't hear the samples. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go a little more big brain than that, Rach. What did you think of uh, the movie itself? Like, what would you give it out of ten? Oh God, that's really hard. I mean, it objectively is a terrible movie, um, <laughs> but I will say that I enjoyed it more than right. I thought I would. Yes. Um, I I was slightly entertained by it. I mean, it was really shocking in the beginning. Really hard to get past what I was looking at. Um, but. I'll be honest, Uh from my years of work with individuals with autism who are similar to music skill level, I will say that it is an accurate representation of what these families do go through. Yes. Um, And I think that the actress, who Maddie Maddie Ziegler, Ziegler, um, she did a phenomenal job. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, she portrayed a a very accurate representation of, of what that can be like. Um, and I think that a lot of people who were upset by 
this portrayal. Um, a lot of the comments I was reading was kind of saying that it was an inaccurate representation of yeah. autism. Um, but I think that those are people who are more high-functioning autism. Yeah. And I think this was an absolutely accurate representation of the lower end and, and how difficult So you're saying... Just to be clear, that the higher functioning autistic people who are offended by this movie have no right to be. <laughs> I mean, mm, they have not no right because the the biggest problem is that regardless of its accuracy, which I through everything I've seen, I mean, Rachel shows me uh, like actual footage of some of the kids that she's worked with, and I I see what their tics are like, and I see how they communicate. All of that was very accurate, and I went into this movie expecting that the most offensive part of it, especially from reading the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, was that it was an inaccurate portrayal of autism. That's not true. It was a very accurate portrayal of a subsect of autism that is on the more extreme nonverbal side. It had inaccuracies within that, where of like course. music was shown to do things that her level of autism would not allow for, such as walking down the street and going to the library every single day and doing things like that, but also as far as like, She's given a device, which Rachel's current occupation is um, doing support for a very popular, famous device in that community that's used for communication for people with aphasia and beyond. Um, she's given the device, and two seconds later, she's fully communicating with it, being like, I'm sad, I'm scared, yes. I'm lonely. And it's just like, no, you don't actually feel... The way that that makes it look is that they feel these things and they can't say them. The right. reality is they don't yeah. even feel those things. No, they, they they can't, yeah, they can't identify those feelings. No. Um, so yeah, that was inaccurate too. Um, the, the inaccuracies I don't think were as extreme as people on the internet were criticizing Sia for. Um, I think that... Um, for the most part, it it was it was pretty accurate. Um, I mean, the rest of the movie was garbage, pretty much. Kate Hudson. But you're saying she is a hero. I I wouldn't go that far. No. <laughs> I would say that she could have been a hero if she did this a little differently. I mean, there is no world in which this performance to someone who knows nothing about autism would ever have felt appropriate. Because unless yeah. you've seen this yeah, stuff yeah. in real life, you don't even really like know that it could be the way that it it, it is portrayed in this movie. But like, yeah, I mean, the rest of the movie is where, for me, I mean, it's, I think, it's a huge problem. So in, in the media, like, or maybe in movies, we do see a lot of um, footage on high-functioning autism, you know, like maybe the quirky uh, person yeah. and, you know, someone oh, who has every show nerdy Rachel personality. And, I watch these and, and I think that that is already represented in the media yeah, quite well. All the time. And I think that people don't realize that. I think it's offensive, and I've heard personally from parents, it's, it's offensive that people think... Autism can be this this beautiful quirky thing when it's not always. It, where they're all indigo children. <laughs> What'd you say? Where they're all indigo children. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I think that this you know I would say maybe if I was a parent of one of the children I've worked with I might actually feel more represented in this movie than usual. Wouldn't you think a parent suffering that way wouldn't want to spend their free time watching a movie about it? No, that's they not might. true. I mean, there are musicians that like watching. Movies about music, there are... Yeah, but being a musician is fun. I mean, no, is that to not. say that people... <laughs> All the time fun. Like, I can't watch 
Sound of Metal or Whiplash because they're both about drummers enduring great, great agony. Yeah, I mean, Whiplash is tough. Would you say that people who are handicapped in other ways don't like seeing themselves being represented? I don't know. I can't speak for them. You are a defend equality person. You need to be fighting for representation. I'm just trying to bait Rachel into saying things. You just want her to say they're animals. Well, I, I was <laughs> Again. Saying... <laughs> Wait, hold on. Enough of you for a second. <clears throat> Love you, though. But... um. Dan, what do you do you disagree with what's being said here? I feel like you you're making a face this whole time. Like what is your opinion about uh, her portrayal and vis a vis? Was it a good representation? I mean, do you have a fundamental disagreement here? Or you just want Rachel to just stop bumming this whole episode out? Yeah, no, I don't have any disagreement. I don't. I, I'm, I'm just not, curious. I have no frame of reference. Like, OK, I have no idea how accurate of a portrayal it was or not. It didn't seem at any point. There was no point where I was like, this seems unrealistic. I know there are people that are extremely low functioning. Yeah. I it, like what I felt was like, do, do, do I feel, do, do I need to, do, do we need to have like an actual teenage girl be put through playing that person? And then the backlash no, of it. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah. But what we're saying is a lot of the reviews, my concern isn't about its accuracy. Yeah. My concern is about the general vibe of it all same. and the way it was treated. So cavalierly hard, same, but this is a rebuttal to many of the reviews. Yeah. The yeah. reviews were like, this so, is a reprehensible portrayal of autism yeah, and i'm just saying this is just a reprehensible movie they yeah. were completely like it was i was saying it was like a lot of sheep like followers just somebody saw yeah. criticism of, of it was it a lot of about... liberal sheep following where it was like "Ooh, we need to be offended about this and like every review was like this is not yeah. okay i mean it's we just spent, a bad movie you and me but we spent the last year two years fucking ragging on and going on about how inevitably terrible this movie is just based on the limited to no information that we actually saw about the movie but we ended up being totally right yeah <laughs> yes on top of but that but then there were a lot of comments just to say like in the reviews of people who said my child is nonverbal autistic yeah. and I felt like this movie was fantastic right. so I feel like the people who are maybe closer and experiencing this like understood it a little better the good thing about this whole section is just that I feel like I paid back a lot of the car of just how many terrible things we said in the first hour. We. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't even, don't even, don't even try to get out of this one. We're fully both culpable for everything that went on in the first hour. And and I want to thank my beautiful, um, radiant, just unendingly brilliant wife and host of Rachel's Review Corner, uh, Rachel Lyons, for for joining us. Can I end this one by saying, go to bed. <laughs> 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 look she did an impression yeah. it's all good we're good we're yeah. absolved yeah all right thank you honey okay, bye. i'm not gonna kiss you on mic but just smooches bye bye okay um God, let's get back to the dirty shit <laughs> you know what i'm saying right, actually save that for next week's course. episode all right bye honey was that fun yeah was, we can talk about how it went maybe later oh, okay. we're on you know we're still rolling oh no no cut that I'm not going to cut that out. This is cute back and forth. See you later. Bye. You give, you give the podcast the, the heart that it needs because Dan and I don't have any. Okay, let's not say that again, all right? You're still, we're still rolling. I was only allowed to say that three times, according yeah. to the MPAA. Yeah. All right, um, let's, get back, <laughs> let's get back to the movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I, have, I called her one time Panty Pockets Kazoo because her panties have a drug pocket in them uh, that she puts a pair of keys in in one scene in this movie. Yeah. Like the front where her vagina is has a, has a pocket. Yeah. And she puts a full set of keys into it. 
Yeah. I just wanted to say that. That that felt like it was relevant. Yeah. I, I'd like to talk about other things than Kazoo. Let, I mean, uh, not Kazoo, music. Let's leave her behind. Yeah. Because we said everything that needs to be said on that front about this portrayal, um, as it were. I think this movie would have worked in the 90s, surely. But um, it's not, you can't do it anymore. It's like, look, if they made a, <laughs> dude, imagine this movie, but with blackface. Like if they made like an extremely dark, sad, like drama in and around just like a kid with blackface on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just not okay anymore. It does, doesn't matter how, and we've said this about the blackface stuff. It doesn't matter how far you go to put it in context. It's just, we're done with it. And, and yeah, look. but then the, there's the argument to be made that like, like what Rachel was saying was that like this type of person hasn't really been represented represented before, where black people have been in movies forever. Well, the the what you would have to do for is this make a good movie. To no, start. not even that. <laughs> and I hate to say this in this day and age, if they wanted this movie to work, they would have needed to cut down music's role. Obviously, the music numbers wouldn't have worked which they don't anyway <laughs> in the current version and have a real nonverbal autism yeah. person on camera. Yeah. That's the, the only way this would have been the heroic effort. Like Sia said, this is about my friend who has all of these things that I based the character on blah, blah, blah. Just put that guy in a room, I guess, and like shoot him and don't like trigger him too badly and base a bunch and of scenes with ADR around them as if they're integrated as a character right. and just portray that person as a real person and give them an acting credit. That could have been a huge um, move for the movement. And it's just too late to have a person play a role like this. It's yeah, right. fucking gnarly. A person as opposed to... It's like if you remade the color purple with a white person playing a black person. It's like, wow, this is a really dark movie about rape and this, this tale needed to be told again, which by the way, that movie is being rebooted right now. Uh, it's being made again. Remake. Remake. And um, and that's a story that needs to be told, but let's put a white person in. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we don't actually want to have a black person play this offensive of a role. Like, it's, it's like damaging to their community. Let's just like bring a white in and have them, you know, bear the cross of this portrayal. It's just like absurd. Like, yeah, it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. So that's that's where the review should have been. It's my review of the movie. If I was on Rotten Tomatoes would have been like um, uh, like a noble effort, but um, higher, higher real rate. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, should we just uh, <laughs> go through the rest of this movie? Yeah. Um, uh, I require a supercut of music just vibing with her headphones on, like <laughs> with her jaw gape. <laughs> I think I might like actually make one, maybe sync it up with this episode. Um, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> um, that, that should be like the next Horizon Wireless music video. <laughs> <laughs> I have in my notes excuse to do Kenyan accent. <laughs> All right, so let's catch up with um, our major plot threads. Yeah. Um, oh, and we haven't even talked about the fact that there's another through line in this movie. I'm going to go with plot line Zeta. Okay. Which is that Tig Notaro runs a children's show that everyone watches. Yeah. That's what like is, super haunted and fucked up. What is and like that? abstract. Yeah. And it's on all the TVs of all the different characters, regardless of status or wealth yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And they're all like transfixed by it. Yeah. And then if you watch the movie it, and big, somehow big, leave big the- Big Requiem for a Dream vibes. If you some, yes. <laughs> it's like the creepy game show yeah. from Requiem. Um, and if you keep the credits on, which I'm sure you did. No. no. Halfway through the credits, they cut to a full episode of the show. 
What? And it's maddening. <laughs> it's so weird. It's just like Tignataro just like standing in front of a bunch of shapes being like, I don't, I don't know what we should do now. Maybe, maybe we should bazoodle. And the shapes are like, let's bazoodle. And she's like, bazoodle, bazoodle, bazoodle. All day, bazoodle. Every way you can. Thank you. I was like, what the fuck? What is this movie? It was... <laughs> Dude, um, that Zeta why, plot. This is, is that why everyone you can't who... give people money. <laughs> this is so fucking crazy. Um... The cra uh, dude, the craziest shit in this movie. I mean, there's so many crazy things. Every musical number is insane. 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 Um, sometimes they're dressed like Teletubbies. Sometimes they're dressed like Oompa Loompas. Sometimes it's, it's they're dressed odd. like fucking uh, what were those things? Boobas. Mm -hmm. Remember that shit? Personally, my favorite. Out of place. Also, why was Kate Hudson doing retard face in some of the dance numbers? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It was wrong. Like though. it seemed like there was one that was supposed to imply that, like, to Matt, to to Maddie's character, that like everyone is like her. Well, that wasn't. Re I think that was more stroke OD face <laughs> than retard face that Kate Hudson was doing because she's also troubled mentally. Oh my! But God. through substances. Um, my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. Now think back to Matrix Resurrections. Remember, okay. remember in Matrix Resurrections, this is just I'm bringing up a new trope for the movie blues podcast, okay. like want to do in old episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to have this trope, uh, or there, there's this trope that always happens, um, where um, in like in the Matrix Resurrections, suddenly we're in a heist movie. There was like 20 minutes of the Matrix Resurrections where they were like setting up a heist, and it felt like out of step, but it was like a cool addition. Yeah. <coughs> This movie's like weird random cliche from another movie series was like uh, from like a superhero origin story movie. Yeah. Uh, slash Mr. Glass kind of talking about superpowers from Unbreakable. <laughs> um, and uh, it, instead it was the Kenyan guy with AIDS. And he's there's this montage where he's talking about like music because this guy knows a pedophile level of things about music right like, the amount of training that he's had with her mentally and physically yeah. it's fucking insane so they start playing this crazy music and you like get inside of music's head and perception sort of yeah and he's like she can hear whispers from two rooms down right, right. She, her senses are higher than the average child and like what what she cannot say is is that she actually can feel what others feel and it sometimes days later comes to her and it's yeah. like they're like zooming in on her ears yeah. and like on, in on her perceptions. The, the editing was insane. They edit it like a superhero. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. <laughs> they're trying yeah. to. <laughs> so it was like uh, beautiful mind vibes at times. Maybe that or stronger. It was it was really weird. Yeah. He was like, what you do not know is her hearing is supersonic. Yeah. It was fucking nuts. Yeah. It's like, why are you talking in voice over narration? He was like, Shh. <laughs> he, was, he was like, she was born in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> she lives every day in darkness. You're just a tourist. <laughs> Oh, fuck. That does not tire. Okay. This maybe. movie does nothing <laughs> to fucking su subvert a huge percentage of this country's population's assumption that, like, the Hollywood elite are all pedophiles. No. This is in the cuties <laughs> realm, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, God. Okay, wait. Uh, my other favorite part. That was also um, a cliche cribbed from other greater works. And I cannot believe that this cliche showed up. This was so... This actually might be the most offensive part of the movie for me. Okay. I, I, yeah. This one gave me chills. Okay. Imagine, if you will, the cliche in which um, a young cowboy... <laughs> is out on the pasture, right? And this is like a 1950s cowboy movie. Right. And um, his older, wiser sensei cowboy, whether it's his dad, whatever, is explaining to him how to tame a, a wild steed, right? And he's like leaning on a fence, the old guy. And he's like, he's like, now you gotta, you gotta lean into her, really listen to her breathe, blah, right. blah, blah. And the kid's like, I got it, I got it. Am I doing it? Replace all of that, but with putting music in a hold. <laughs> right. There's a scene where the Kenyan guy is like, is is crouched like it's sports basically, yeah, like yeah. crouched as Kate Hudson is trying to do the hold, and he's like, he's like, you must listen to her heartbeat. Yeah. And he's like, and and they're playing like this crazy music, and it's literally that scene, like beat for beat. And he's like, and he's like, feel her rhythm. Like, oh, she, he's getting kind of Jamaican now. Yeah. He's like, feel the rhythm. He's like, he's like, let your heart, let your heart beat. <laughs> he, ta he tackles music and he's just like, bruh. <laughs> oh, Bobby Cloud, you gotta listen to a heart. Boy, I'm from Trinidad. Um, <laughs> technically, I want to make sure we're doing our regions. <laughs> I'm Trinidadian. Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he's like... <laughs> he was Maddie's Trinidaddy. <laughs> Episode title, Trinidaddy. <laughs> wow. Um, <clears throat> this is bad. This is... <laughs> let's get back on the rails Yeah, here. let's try. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, when the Kenyan dude tries to teach his <laughs> Kate Hudson how to horse whisper music into a hold, uh, like, a, <laughs> yeah. like a Wild West cowboy Big Caesar Milan vibes. It yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this, at one point, really it struck me that this movie easily could have been written, starring, and with music by David Byrne. It, <laughs> it really had, like, a... Um, what's his current show? Of autism that he does on Broadway. Amer American American Autism, the musical, <laughs> yeah. where he does all of his music, but it sounds worse, and there's weird, <laughs> weird, like, trans people in suits marching around on stage instead of just a good backing band uh, playing, like, marching drum instruments yeah, for two right. hours. Like, deconstructing music that we've all heard a thousand times don't need further deconstructed. Well, how's that Radiohead Symphony thing, speaking of bad deconstruction? You said that was bad? Yeah, it was bad. What kind of bad? It was, like, a very like big disney vibes like there was big like disney vibes. yeah there was like three singers in the front that like their like whole... iron man showed up <laughs> no like the songs <laughs> just got very hokey like anytime instead of just doing instrumentals because every time it was just the orchestra playing it was great but then you would get like you'd have this little mini choir of them just being like oh, 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 like singing just like as if it was like all show tune it was weird make you eggs <laughs> Justin Berger like palpably despised it. He was sitting there. <laughs> Every time I'd look at him, he had a big puss on his face, and he just like this fucking sucks. That's that. That is awesome. That rolls. Yeah. I like that. Um, um, Shout out Philadelphia Orchestra. Um, I'm scared. Um, <laughs> at one point, um, Kazoo brings uh, music to a drug deal. 
Um, yeah. it, okay, so now we we got to do this. So, yeah. okay, the drug deal, right? Crux crux of the movie yeah. that really like encompasses a lot of what's going a, on. A whole world of people in the Screen Actors Guild that you could hire to play a drug dealer and see it chose Ben Schwartz. Well, yeah. Okay, the so least menacing dude on the fucking planet. Ben Schwartz is like basically put um, Kate Hudson on, giving her a lot of shit on the front. And uh, she keeps fucking up. And he's like, I'm pretty much going to kill you, Kazoo. And she's like, let me get one more time. I've got a new big client. Yeah. So he's and like, that client is Sia. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Um, so um, uh, Sia put herself in a movie where she's buying oxys. <laughs> but with a good explanation. Yeah. Remember? What is that? Um, okay. So um, music comes along with Kazoo to do the drug deal for um, James Franco. And... <laughs> Um, <laughs> everything is riding on the line. Everything has to go perfectly here. Uh, they show up at this million dollar like loft and immediately like um, music is running around like screaming all retarded, like knocking things over. <laughs> yeah, running into fucking like $20,000 dresses. <laughs> the lady's like, uh, can you not touch that? That's priceless art. And music's like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so. uh <laughs> And so uh, Kazoo starts freaking out and is like, music, relax. And <laughs> and then you see who the drug deal that we've been waiting this whole movie to see who it's for. And it's Sia, uh, who's playing herself. Again, so bizarre that she wrote, directed, and wrote all the songs for this movie, didn't sing or perform in any of them, and then showed up as a someone buying drugs, which was <laughs> such a bizarre ego uh, fail. Playing herself. Unbelievable. Um then in the most self-righteous double backing I've ever seen in a movie in my entire life. Yeah, this is Sia is like, I'm wild. buying a hundred thousand drugs from you. And Kazoo is like, all right, here's the sack. And she's like, damn, you're having a fucking crazy party, huh, Sia? And Sia's like, um, nah. Yeah. I'm taking these drugs and sending them to refugees who are in a war zone. Yeah. She's like, so I'm gonna need a hundred grand worth of OC80s. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, they, and explains, like, they don't have any medicine down there. But it was yeah. the most bizarre here. Is this turn. a thing, like, at all that, like, are you allowed to just send narcotics? Absolutely not. Via a freight plane nor to would, another country? Nor would any rich person want to do that <laughs> yeah. and put themselves at that level That's of risk. insane. And Sia just talks about it like she's a character on Girls by yeah. buying a bag. She's just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's that crazy thing I do where, yeah. like, I send it to, like, Trinidadian refugees whose legs have been blown off. Yeah. Um, and, like, they go out of their way to say what medication she's buying. Right. And Oxycontin, they really emphasize. Like, she's buying a ton of Oxys. Like, morphine. And like, yeah. At least it wasn't, like, <laughs> at least it wasn't, like, two ounces of weed and a bunch of molly. Because <laughs> then I'd have been like, what is going on in this movie? This is this is too far. Um, no, it was all <laughs> she, drugs she, then. She's like, I'm sending Viagra to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> to increase AIDS. Because <laughs> I met this sweet boy named Leslie Odom Jr. who is just such a positive influence. Yeah. Um, um so uh it's at that point that it, it's dude, it's the uh, same it's the same thing as Ben Schwartz being like, oh well, the way my character's not a scumbag is that I also sell AIDS medicine. Like every character is just like Okay, so that leads me to the next part. So then I'm confused. Is that what happened? So she goes back to Ben Schwartz? Yeah, she goes back to Ben Schwartz and is basically like, look, see ya I need you to spot me, like, literally a hunt. I think Sia asked for a thousand oxys is yeah. what happened. And uh, so Kate Hudson goes, goes to Ben Schwartz and is like, 
look, I need you to spot me a thousand oxys. And he's like, yeah, I'm for sure not going to do that because I'm already like considering murdering you. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, but listen, this is legit. This time I'm not going to do them all. I'm going to sell them to famous worldwide pop phenom. See ya. And Ben Schwartz is like, all right, but if you fuck up again, I'm going to kill you. I don't know. What are we doing now? <laughs> what are we doing? Old Torah rabbi for Ben Schwartz? Jesus Christ. Just because he's Jewish? Yeah. That's anti-Semitic. You look, man. He's like, I'll front you one more time. <laughs> That was, a, that was about how threatening he was in this movie. He's like, he's like, seriously, like, don't no, remember the scene where he's like, um, the he he like scolds her and he's like, nah, just so you know, Kazoo, next time you fuck up, I'm gonna rape and kill you. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, oh, what? You're asking me about my my shirt? Yeah. You like this? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, and like like goads out of her a compliment yeah. about his clothes. It's just, yeah, it's so ridiculous. Go- All right, so wait, so, so, clear so, it up yeah, for me though. Yeah. So so then uh, he's like, look, here's the deal. I want your hundreds of grand that you're going to get from Sia. I'll front you, but you have to do me a favor. And she's like, what? And he's like, I need you to take this bag. And it's like a brown paper bag. He's like, I need you to take this to this address. And she's like, what is this like? Guns? And he's like, obviously not. Just based on the weight of the bag, you would know it's not guns. But yeah, just take, don't even look in it. Just fucking. He was like, that bag is my redemption arc. That's how I get into heaven. Mm -hmm. And she was like. I don't know what that means, but okay. And what it ends up being is that she gets, she gets, she gets to the address and Mr. Echo is there, who she's like in a burgeoning relationship with. Yeah. And it's her there to get the package and she looks at it and it's AIDS medicine. AIDS reveal. So after all of that, Kate Hudson's drug dealer is also the AIDS drug dealer to Kate Hudson's new next door neighbor who she's in a relationship with. Look up the word contrived. Yeah. Dear listener. This is the shit that like in screen screenwriting class, they're like, look, you need a way, like we're always saying like show, don't tell. But your sh- the way you show it has to make any bit of fucking sense. I uh, did not. <laughs> it's crazy. And, in, and all of this shit is broken up by the weirdest fucking musical numbers you've ever seen in your fucking life. There's yeah. one musical number, my least favorite one, where Leslie Odom Jr. sings an entire song and is in giant, oversized, like, bigger than David yeah. Byrne's suit, yeah. pants, yeah, yeah. running on a treadmill. Yes. That, Insane. That was where I was just like, what are we doing at this point? Like, this movie is an hour and 47 minutes long, yeah. actually, and it could have been a tight hour 19. Not with this many plot lines. This many plot lines and musical numbers. Yeah. Let's check back in with one one of our plot lines that's gone asunder, which is the... The Asian man? Yeah, the Asian man. So yeah, he's big sad at his parents' house. His entire plot line is that he's perving on music. He's watching her everywhere that he goes. He wants to, I guess, bang the most retarded girl in the world, which is <laughs> such a weird flex, because he's not retarded. He's, like, socially awkward. Yeah, he's just... Maybe a little autistic. Yeah. But, but he's just sad and deeply obese. And yeah. And they spend a large, large portion of this movie setting up his character. Yeah. And they're, as basically, if, they're trying to be like, look, it's not his fault that he's creepy. It's because his parents fight. Right. His parents who own a convenience store. I added that fact. But you believed it. And that's what matters. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, uh, his plot line uh, ends up with him being in a boxing match uh, for... Um, 
in the other plot line of, yeah. of Rocky that was happening. And ultimately, he gets like close to music proximity wise, like within 10 or 15 feet, but he yeah. never once speaks to her or Kazoo. Yeah. He never crosses into any other plot line. And for some reason, there's something where, where he, he has his Rocky moment. Yeah. Like in the that coincides with um, music needing to go to the hospital for a bee sting, I think is what happened. Yeah. And, she's allergic to bees. And uh, that, then it becomes revealed, like there's this big sad moment where Leslie Odom Jr. looks out to the crowd and there's two seats that say reserved. It was clearly for Kate Hudson and music. Yeah. So he's like big sad that they're missing his student box or something. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It was like it was like that moment though of like the kid looking out in the talent show to see if his yeah. dad was gonna arrive. Yeah, but it's like fine. Leslie Odom Jr. looking out to see if like a junkie that he met the previous day <laughs> and a retarded person were gonna um, Like he can't fathom what could have possibly gone wrong to get them held up. <laughs> it's like usually they're so on time. This narcotics addict. Also, they're uh, what? What happens? Fucking! Oh my god! She gets the way she gets stung by the bees because first she crawls onto a park bench to eat chew and gum off the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, music rolls under a park bench and starts eating used gum. <laughs> How did no one stop this movie from being made, dude? So then she just fucking she closes her hand on a bee and it like starts flashing between what's going on in her head and what's going on in real life and what's going on in her head. It's like fucking. Dudes in giant bee costumes stabbing her. <laughs> and she just flips out. It turns out she's allergic to bees. And of yeah. course, the guy who works at the snow cone stand immediately is like, what if she's allergic? Yeah, I mean, he's been watching her from afar. And then Kate like Hudson, everyone. who weighs less than fucking music, yeah. apparently carries her in her arms all the way to the hospital. Kate Hudson just comes. It, it's a smash cut to her running into a hospital. Yeah. As if the, like, the hospital would have had to have been miles away, one would assume. <laughs> Negative Q plot, <laughs> beasting drama. Um, getting back to the Asian kid, though, his plot line is resolved when uh, he dies. <laughs> and that happens in such a graphic, awful way. His parents are like abusing each other, and he like gets in the way and gets knocked over, right? It, yeah. And his head clips a fucking table corner and his skull splits open and his fucking brains pour out yeah is, is how that rolls his dad out. was choking his mom against yeah. the wall and he tries to be like yo don't do that and his dad pushes him over like gently with one hand and he just like smashes his fucking skull on the corner of a table and dies and then it's only in the musical numbers somehow like now yeah now coupled the, up with yeah, music yeah um he has no purpose in this movie whatsoever that is what i'm trying to get to thank you for skipping all the <laughs> other parts of it um this plot line, when I say goes nowhere, that this is textbook goes nowhere. Yeah. He literally just dies out of nowhere. <laughs> it's crazy. And then in the rest of the movie, he's like in all of the musical sequences. Clearly, this guy was like a, a body positive TikTok dancer, yeah. would be my guess, yeah. without looking it up. Oh, I thought of another subplot. Well, oh, no. There's the subplot. I'm out of letters. That, that music and uh, kazoo's grandmother had written a song on piano that's been passed down through the generations. I literally do not even know what you're talking about and so, watched the movie 24 hours ago basically so there's a scene where uh, Kazoo comes in and Mr. Echo is playing piano 
Okay, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's playing the most Adam. Well, then there's like another plotline, which is a Star is Born plotline. Yeah, right. With Kazoo and Mr. Echo. Yes, exactly. Where he believes in her as a singer. Yes. <laughs> So Kate Hudson walks into the room. What the fuck? And Mr. Echo is, which with this makes I forgot th- about this, this makes one. the implications of Mr. Echo so much weirder that he's playing a song on piano and Kate Hudson's like, oh, that's the song that my great grandmother wrote to sing to my mother in her crib. Oh my um, god! And Mr. Echo's like, yeah, I hang out here so much that I know the music and the lyrics already. And she's like, oh my god, yeah, that was so creepy too. And, and, sh- and Kate Hudson's like, you're just trying to get me to do this so that you can tell me I'm a good singer. And I can be like, no, I'm not. And he's like, I believe in you, Kate. And then she sings fine. She sings fine. And uh, has her little musical number where it's like her coming to terms with being a killer singer. And then then that becomes like a fucking plot thread, which is that like Kate Hudson and music uh, bond over like music, recognizing the grandmother's song. Everyone who's like important in their lives knows this song. Uh, They... Mr. Echo invites them to sing it at the brother's funeral at the end. Right. Like, the song's very important. I hate this movie. Yeah, there's a scene that's set up after... You're, the whole Star is Born plot is set up that I, you're going to believe that Kate Hudson's going to sing this song to an audience, but instead music sings the song with, like... Uh, to an audience <laughs> being... his bro- The Kenyan guy's brother's wedding... That he ends up going to, yeah. and that he needs to do well like everyone's at. Everyone's wearing like a dashiki. The entire fucking point of that plotline is that he needs to attend that wedding <laughs> to prove that his life is okay and that yeah, he is okay. Right. And he brings a non-verbal person with autism and a drug addict wearing a sports bra <laughs> yeah. to a wedding where all people are in dashikis. Yeah, right. And, and then they perform him a musical number, which is even cringier than anything from Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Where instead of Kate Hudson showing off her newly formed stars born Z plot skills, music starts. Music singing. just goes like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so effectively, this guy has, and they treat it like it's going well. Yeah, right. Where in reality, people would be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, they're all. You must leave." But even then, when it cuts to the crowd, there's no like slow clap. They're all just staring, like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Yeah, so at this point, I uh, <laughs> the note that I wrote is, Okay, so somehow this ended up being a love story between good character and main character, but we haven't really earned that payoff in any way, enough for that resolution to be any degree of satisfying, because nobody's rooting for these two people to get together. <laughs> none, none. <laughs> There's been no actual development of these yeah. characters for them to be acting like such a dramatic love arc happened. Who was rooting for these people to end up together? Of, of all 20... 20- it's a guy who has AIDS and a junkie. <laughs> uh, of the 26 plot threads in this movie... Not a one felt resolved by the end. No. Except maybe, oh, oh, oh. maybe the A-plot. X plot is Kate Hudson's going to put Maddie in a home. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> one of my favorite things in this movie. <laughs> this is X plot. This is set up very early on, which is that um, Kate Hudson wants to put music in what she calls a people pound. Yeah. <laughs> When she first arrives at the apartment and sees how just truly chilling music is, she's like, oh, oh, hell no. And like calls the people pound and is like, yeah, you got room for one more. (laughs) Yeah. And then like 
be like be outs that plan, then goes through an entire redemption arc as a character throughout the whole movie, which logically would assume that then she's going to start start treating music better. Does not do that. Once she gets her life together, Kazoo takes music to the people farm pound and then decides at the last second to bring her out. But yeah. that is, again, the plot of an entire movie. That yeah, right. So there's no payoff at all because we haven't seen anything to believe that there's any reason that Kazoo would have a change of heart. It's literally like she it's not even like she gets there and it's like she's like, oh, these are terrible conditions. She's talking to the nurse who's like very nice. And she's like, is she going to be cool here? Like, are you going to be good? And the nurse is like, yeah, it's wonderful here. It'll take her a couple days to adjust. But, you know, this is what we do for a living. She'll have a really good time. Right. And then there's it's like it zooms in on Kate Hudson. She's like, I can't. And then it cuts to them, smash cut to them sprinting out of the place as if she just like broke her out of prison. Like they're like escaping. Yep. She's her custodian. She can take her wherever. Smash cut indeed. This movie had so many like, oh, like huge problems. Um, like brought up like the stuff with the drug dealer with Ben Schwartz and then just discarded by like a smash cut. Yeah. Like the biggest stakes in the movie, the one where the main character yeah, was might die. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing comes of it. <laughs> no, like, and she squanders all of it and nothing comes yeah. of it. It is in. Oh yeah. That's why there's the scene where music gets stung by a bee is because Kate Hudson in her haste of trying to take care of music throws her purse in the trash. Yeah. Which the purse Which containing the, the hundred of thousands of dollars worth of drugs. And then loses all of it. Yeah. And you think, surely, they literally put you in a position where you're like, now she's going to be killed. Yeah, right. She's going to die. Yeah. That tension is never yeah. <laughs> explored. Yeah. How? It was like the most ignored Chekhov's gun <laughs> in the history of movie making. They're yeah. like, they're like, well, now she's going to get fucking killed. And then the rest of the movie just happens. Yeah. And then she sees Ben Schwartz. And there is a scene, Dan, where she goes... I'll get you that money soon, all right? And they cut to him, he says nothing. Yeah. They just kind of cut to him, and he's like, mm hmm. Yeah. And it's then like, it's like, sounds good. Smash cut to a park. Yeah. And that is the entire payoff for yeah. that plotline. Um, this movie Still is. Filmmaking faux pas. This movie is some bottom barrel business. Yeah. Some rock bottom nonsense of none of this fucking movie. It was fucking terrible. Yeah. And I would like to move on to scores, unless you have anything yeah. else you'd just no. like to discuss. The last thing I thought. So I will say that I enjoyed the movie more than I thought I was going to. I thought it was going to be like, I was going to be like Dear Evan Hansen levels of piss the whole time where instead See, I, I loved watching I, I was Dear like, Evan Hansen. Yeah, I didn't. I was laughing. I don't know how you didn't enjoy that movie. It was hell for me. Hmm. This was also hell for me, but like... This was true hell for me. This I didn't think that I was going to come out being most mad at all of just the egregious poor filmmaking choices. Yeah. Like, in the scheme of things, like, the depiction of the autistic is not really what makes this movie so right. fucked up. What makes it is that no one fucking took a second pass through the script to be like, this is not how movies work. Yeah, this is a, just a series of insane vignettes. Yeah. And plus, you're going to have 10 full, full-length full music videos it's, in it. it. Yeah, it's literally like 10 television pilots got smashed into a script. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. Dan and Dan hate the music. Yeah, that it's a bad movie. What are you thinking for this one, bud? I'm looking at my previous scores because, like, it's obviously not, like, anti-coronavirus or Son of the Mask level of cringe or horribleness. But it's still, like, by no means a good movie whatsoever. Like, how many points can I give something for it exceeding my expectations in not being offensive? Well, let's put it this way. You gave Dear Evan Hansen a one and a half. So this has to be higher than a one and a half. Yeah. I feel like... 
for it to make logical sense. What I was thinking about on the way here, I feel like I was going to give it like a, th- a three. The marker has been opened. Yeah. I'm gonna... The spirits of the movie Blues, your and past, have been uncorked. Uh, yeah. What is your score, young traveler? I'm going to give it a 2.9. Two. Oh, I love the marker sound effect, but I want to get it on mic. Hold on. <clears throat> Point. <laughs> 2.9 golden <laughs> retards. <laughs> Two point five on the scale of justice. I said two point nine. Two point nine. <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna give this movie a point five. <laughs> That's it, buddy. I hated this. This <laughs> sucked. So you hated this more than Jupiter Ascending? Yes. Okay. You hated this. I could not, Dan. I could not fucking wait for the credits to roll on this one, bud. Yeah. I couldn't wait. When it ended, I applauded. So you you liked Cuties a lot more than this? Yes. Okay. Cool. There's more value there, and not in a weird way. All right, cool. Good. Both are reprehensible to society. Yeah. Right. Both are criminal. All right. This movie, every single plot line... Yeah. Fucked up. ...was fucked up and terrible, but also didn't have payoffs. And that's like, the, if you're the gonna only Asian this... character's payoff was that he gets killed by his parents. Dude, that plot line, I was in. If you were to watch a movie that is just that plot line cut together, it'd be like a, a Hitchcock movie. It's fucking yes. horrible. This movie sucked. <laughs> it was fucked up. It was fucking bad. Yeah, it was. And I'm terrible. glad that next week we're doing a David Cronenberg picture. Yeah. We're gonna get some class yeah, we're back into this podcast. Artism. Surely We're moving from autism and getting to artism Fuck yeah dude That rolled I'm just gonna press a random button on here I don't have my board open but Oh of course it was that wow. one That sucked Brutal Just really? edit, edit on a better, better place <laughs> Alright Dan anything else uh, to say about this one No there will be no babies involved here <laughs> Make you eggs <laughs> <laughs>